Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all the chapters on Shonen Jump's website at viz.com and talk about another collected volume as well. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And all November we are doing My Hero Academia. So this week we read volume four. But before that, we had to read Shonen Jump without any My Hero Academia. Yeah, it was really weird. It was disappointing. I've been down on Shonen Jump for two weeks in a row now. I feel like I'm very manic, you know, if I'm down or up on it. Mm-hmm. But I am also pretty down on this. There's some really good chapters in here, but there's also a lot of me expecting stuff to get beaten pretty quickly in my ranking list. And that never happened. Never happened, yeah. Yeah. But we start out with something I really, really enjoyed, which is Act Age Scene 88, How I'm Defined. Yeah, this was really solid. Yeah, it makes me kind of more mad at last week's chapter and how floundering it was. I think part of that owes, like, part of it, that little floundering aspect of it made this chapter better. I agree with you, but I feel like because it was already set up, that was the mistake, was setting it up earlier, that it should have been a reveal in the previous chapter. Yeah, if it had been... then I think it really would have worked. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So basically, Ogami continues to go out and be Ogami, and he really plays up his arrogance. And if you can't see where it's going, it's because you're not actually reading Act Age, because it's very obvious that's what's going to happen. And we see in the audience is they kind of flip on Kay and go from being terrified of her to sympathetic towards her because her husband is an evil douchebag. Well, her husband and the Monkey King and like all these people in her life who are all being played by Ogami, but all the people in her life are horrible douchebags. And you're like, oh, that's why she's so pissed off. Uh Uh-huh. And in particular, we see it mostly with the women in the audience, which is a touch I like. Yes. And there's some stuff about Ogami being willing to throw away his reputation. It just works really well. Again, what's happening is obvious from the start. But in the art and the pacing, it works really well. Yeah, very good. I did really like the bit where Ogami was like, so my entire, it's kind of like an internal monologue, my entire career, I have been me. And I finally now realized that that doesn't apply externally. It's not how people think of me. It's me as a person. So I'm going to be the confident, arrogant Ogami, even if that ends up making me the villain. Yeah. Of this play. And I was like, oh, that was, that was a pretty neat turn of him being like, hey, I'm going to be me. That's literally my whole deal. I don't care if you don't think I'm me. It's how I feel about it. Yeah. So I really like this chapter. Again, especially after last week's. Again, I really feel they kind of misplayed the beat last week. Yeah. But it, I do see what they were setting up here. Yeah. I did really like this week's chapter. And that brings us to Demon Slayer chapter 181, Disaster, which I also rather liked, although it's a slow, kind of somber chapter. Yeah. The Hashira are all trying to gather, or rather the guy in charge of them, whose name I don't know, is trying to gather them all to fight Muzin. Yep. But there are still a couple of them who are fighting their upper moons. Well, there's only the... So there's the Poison Hashira and the Love Hashira are fighting... Upper Moon 4, the woman or the female demon who controls the like palace that they're inside of. Yeah. And they're not really like, even the Poison Hashira mentions, he's like, her attacks aren't like deadly in any way. I just, she's stalling so well, I can't do anything. Like, I, I literally can't do anything against her. And that's why it's awful to face stall teams in Pokemon. Yep. 
But anyway, Tanjiro and his, not master, his senpai? Is that even the right? Yeah, I think senpai. that's technically yeah. correct. I mean, it's not really a term he uses for him, as far as I'm aware. No, it doesn't. I can't think of the character's name. Gen. Gen? I was going to uh, say Gen, but I'm like, nah, he can't be named Gen. Might be Genji, I th- but I think it's just, or no, Gin? Maybe Gin. Gin? That sounds more right. Anyway, they run into Muzan, and they're basically like, well, crap, but we got to fight him. Well, at first, time. I really love the... So Tanjiro is just super mad, like, you killed everybody. Yeah, he's just got a bunch of flashbacks to his family dying, even though he wasn't there for that. But I yeah. guess to him discovering them. Yeah, his family dying, all the all the people that have died because of Muzan, and he gets super mad, and Gin is like, no, we need to stay calm. And then, Tan- like, you can kind of, like, tell Con- Tanjiro calms down, and during this, Muzan's like... You know, why is everybody so upset with me? Uh, You killed my brother. You killed my father. You killed my daughter. Shouldn't you be glad that I didn't kill you? Can't you just be happy that you're not dead? Well, he specifically says, why do demon slayers? Yeah. He's like, "There there are people who just, most people, I kill their entire families, and then they just go on, and they move on, and they find something else. Yeah. It's like, really, you should think of me like a volcano or an earthquake. Nobody swears vengeance on a volcano. (laughs) <laughs> yep, but he's like, you demon slayers are different. It's like, you you are all crazy people. Yep. And it's a weird speech from the villain, but I actually do kind of like it. Yeah, I also really like it. And then I really like, so at the end, Tanjiro is calmed down and his face is just totally blank. And he's just like, we can't allow you to live anymore. And like, so with him starting off just so angry, like I'm going to beat the crap out of you to, I can't allow you to live anymore. And I'm like, I have reached my state of calm. Time to murder you. Yes. Which brings us to One Piece chapter 961, the Mountain God incident. What did you think of One Piece this week, Kevin? I thought it was fairly good. I really liked the Kinemon bits. Like like I knew I would, I started li- I've started liking the flashback more than when at first it was like, ah, it's the first thing of the flashback. And it's like, hey, all these characters are in it. And I don't care. I want to be following this other thing. But now, I've, like, it's got me invested in the story again. So I'm actually, like, I like the fact that uh, Kimon was like, I'm stealing this boar to make a platinum because I'm, you know, trying to make money. And then it turns out that the boar ate the, his, isn't it his wife? His future wife. It's yeah, not his, his fu- wife at this no. point in the story. But his future wife, who has been, like, the girl next door to him kind of thing where like, she's nice to him, but like hard on him at the same time. And he doesn't like appreciate her in any way. And then like, she gets taken and he just, he loses it. He's like, what? Give her back. And so he goes and fights the mountain God before even Odin does. And Odin's like, Hmm, I actually kind of like this guy. Yeah. I am liking it more as well as the flashback goes on. I still didn't love this chapter. No, it, it, it wasn't amazing. Like, it still, it ranked fairly high for me. And when, I, I, when I mentioned earlier, there's some stuff here that I really expected to get beaten, and it didn't. Yep. One Piece is what I'm talking about. Yes. Like I said, I, I started to like it more. I also like the thing that the current Shogun used to be Yasui's subordinate, I was who say, was, like, his... Manservant is the exact word to use. Yes, but it's like his just yes man, the... Like, they're going to meet him, and there's, like, a puddle on the ground, and he's like, oh, this is dangerous, and he, like, jumps in the puddle in front of Odin, and is like, there, now it's safe. Yeah, I, and that's the end page reveal that that's Orochi, and I do like that as a 
cliffhanger. Yeah. But like I said, it was fine, but it's stuff One Piece has done before, and this is not the best One Piece flashback, at least not yet. No. So again, not a bad chapter by any means, but not the super exciting, steady thing I expect from One Piece most of the time. Yeah. Which brings us to Dr. Sun Reboot by Yakua Z equals two, Quail Egg Toss, which is, I don't want to say a whole lot of nothing, because there was some good emotional moments in here, and there was some stuff I liked, but man, is most of it just really Meh. basic science. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt is pretty much how I felt yeah. at the end it's of like, it, too. Hey, look, science. And then, of course, we had the craftsman dude. It's like, all right, so we've got to have a craftsman old guy who, like, hulks out of his shirt. Sure. Why not? We need those in both of those stories. Sure. Of course, so that one can be descended from the other. Yes, and then, like, it makes sense, and and so then it just had me sitting there going like, so I wonder if these characters are going to start playing out exactly like the main cast of Doctor Stone. I don't think Doctor Stone reboot is ever going to be the worst thing in Shonen Jump. No. Only because it's drawn by Boichi. Which is pretty good, yeah. But it might be my least favorite. Yeah. Like, I have zero enthusiasm when I come to it. Even Tokyo Shinobi Squad, I'm like, maybe I can hate like this when I get to that. Yeah. But Dr. Stone Reboot really doing nothing for me. We're going to talk about it for one more week, but unless it really wins us over, that's probably going to be more or less it. Yeah. And that brings us to Samurai 8, Chapter 25, Encounter. What did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I actually like this chapter. I liked the turn on the turn that they set up where, so we have the, the guy who had set up the trap battle Royale shows up. There's this really good bit. I think you're about to talk about it, but it implies that like, Hey, the plan's already, you just wait for the signal yes. as he shows up. And like you were saying, there's a good twist on that where it's not the bad guy's plan. It is a plan to capture him by a third party. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, the well, actually, it was the bad guy's plan. So it's him going, hey, the thing's almost just, you know, the plan's all set. Just wait for me to show up and then we'll execute it. And it's cutting back and forth between that and this, like, sniper, sniper samurai who's, like, on his dog spirit thing. I don't remember the name of them now. Uh, uh, what Hayataro is. Yeah. I want to say key spirit, but that's not right. Holder. Key holder. holder. Yeah. He's got this very big Gundam-ass sniper rifle. Yeah, and he's, like, on the side of a mountain shown far away, and you're like, oh, he's going to, like, shoot somebody. This is awesome. And so the bad guy shows up, and he goes through his speech, and he's like, hey, we're going to have a fight, and if you win, you get a billion yen, or whatever it is. And Hachimaru's like, hey, you can keep that. I just want I just want you. And I like the response of, huh, I've never had somebody come on to me like that before. <laughs> And he's like, no, I, I need you because you're a cool key spirit guy. He's like, and not interested. Well, I'll use a billion dollars to hire you after I beat you then. Yep. But of course, he's not actually the one of the, the keys. Key, yeah. And Daruma Sensei has this like uh, thing come out of his head that scans the guy. And he's like, no, he's actually this guy, the key stealer, essentially. Like, oh, yeah, he's this like criminal that tends to steal samurai keys. And so the thing that I really like is the turned that the sniper dude is actually part of a third party that was working with the group that Hachimaru Hachimaru fought earlier the two sam like the actual samurai with the princess and he's working with them to capture the bad guy yeah and it turns out that the bad guy Ben or whatever his name is has been working with 
the thief character that Co. is Ko that has been hanging out with Hachimaru. Which is the one twist that was kind of a bit too far for me, just because Ko is the one who recommended they come here. And I guess as a long con, it does kind of make sense for him to go out and find people and bring them back here. Yeah. Like, sort of. No, that actually but, makes total sense because remember the whole reason he wanted to do it was because he thought Daruma was powerful and it was like, well, hey, you seem strong. My ma- you know, my master who like this guy will probably like your key, so why don't we go to the planet? Yeah, I just don't think it lines up with Ryu and like his weird amnesia thing. Well, he might have been bringing Ryu as well. Like Ryu it's doesn't It's true. It just seems like they had a longer relationship than that. Yeah, but remember, Ryu can't remember anything. That's true. So it feels Ko like he could just have been lying about it the entire time. Yeah, I guess because Ryu just... is like, "Oh yeah, I guess I've been with you this whole time," and it's going to turn out that Ko had picked up Ryu, and then all on the way back was like, "Oh hey, here's another group I can take to the battle royale." It was just the one piece of the chapter that didn't really land for me. Everything else I really enjoyed. Yeah, I actually really liked that landing where it turned out he was the bad guy. I was like, "Oh, that is such a cool twist." So that brings us to We Never Learn question 134. A predecessor's past is colored by X. It's shenanigans. Yeah. Surprise. I did like it more than last week. It's a Konami chapter. Yep. And basically, she's at home studying with Yuya. And she's got a, her dad's sick. So she's like, oh, I got to do all the chores. Like, no, it's fine. I hired this maid cleaning service. Back and from chap- whatever. Cha- yeah. It just it recently happened in the anime. Yeah. But so what Konami works for it that yes, also the- like sends people out to clean. And Konami's like, you what? And then the two maids show up and like, we have to clean slash ship you guys as hard as possible. So Yep. Also, there are phallic sushi rolls that get eaten. Yes. Like I have never like admittedly, not Japanese, maybe it's normal. I've never seen anyone eat a sushi roll that way. Yeah, it I it honestly makes a bit of sense though, because it's a sushi roll before it gets cut up and they eat that. Yeah. Which, I, like you said, it does make sense. I've just never seen it before. And I feel like it would be the thing where, like, the filling all comes out at once. I guess it depends on what is filling it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it necessarily would. Like, I mean, I have had a sushi burrito, which is basically the same thing. Yeah. But I don't think that's as good as a, like, cut-up sushi roll. Like I said, don't know anything about eating sushi in Japan. It just is, struck me as odd. I've never seen anyone eat I don't know that that, that was technically sushi because it was actually out the outside was wrapped in the seaweed with the interior being filled and I think that's something else. Like li- just literally from like a a word standpoint like yeah. sushi is there's the interior wrapped in seaweed covered in rice and this was the exterior was wrapped in seaweed with the interior of rice and whatever filling it was. And no, I think I that's really a different sushi. dish. Yeah, I, I love sushi. But I think that's technically a different dish. Like in, you know, a taco and a burrito are technically yeah. different dishes. Like, they're basically the same thing. They're just called something differently because of the way they're arranged. But I don't know what the term difference is or if I'm just making this up. Anyway. Yugiya says something really sweet, and her dad overhears it. And it cures him of his cold. Yes, because he's so excited about his daughter's great boyfriend. Yes. And the maids make fun of them. Yeah. And then um, from off screen, her mom makes fun of her. Well, she's like, well, it sounds like they're having a lot of fun up there. I need to finish (laughs) with this patient and go up there and tease her. That will bring us to the Promised Neverland chapter 156. Let's end this. Which, like, I felt off-put is not the right word, 
for this, but we missed Promise Neverland last week, and this just felt like a really odd beat to me. I did like the chapter, especially the ending. Yeah. But it just, like I said, I had an odd like pacing feel to it the entire time. Yeah, I can see that. This, spoilers for my ranking, this ended up near the bottom of my I really I liked this chapter like band. Because I was like, oh, it was cool, the twist was cool, but I do agree with you, it did have that kind of weird pacing thing, especially because of the break, which I don't think, like, sometimes the breaks aren't necessarily planned to no. fit into the story, so it just, it ended up feeling a little weird. And I am a person who thinks missing a week is better than doing a bad or pointless chapter. Yeah. It just felt really odd. Emma shoots a demon. Emma shoots a demon, only it doesn't work. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what the demon queen's weakness is basically yeah because she seems to not have a core now and so now norman's thinking like wait do the royals not have cores at all oh god how do we deal with that but then he's like no calm down she probably does probably is just moving or is woke it in a weird spot yep so i just gotta find it and then sonju and mujiki show up yep and i guess mujiki is the queen's younger brother yes which- did we know that no. It seemed like a reveal to me. No, that was definitely okay. a reveal. Unless it got hinted at earlier, but to me, that was a reveal as well. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I like the ending. I liked a lot of it. Just the pacing felt really weird. I'm excited for next week's chapter, but this one, like I said, gave me an odd feeling when I was done with it. Yeah. Then, like I said, it ended up towards the bottom of my I liked it. Like, I still liked it, but it wasn't one of the ones that I liked more than the others. It was like, uh, I liked it, but there was some weird stuff to it. And speaking of weird stuff, maybe the last time we'll talk about Food Wars on this podcast, at least in a weekly fashion, we have Food Wars Chapter 315.4, The First Scar, which is noted as being the last one. It has a really has the feeling of a manga bonus chapter. I think it literally lists it as a manga bonus chapter. Yeah, well, but like one you'd normally get like as exclusive to a collected volume. Yeah. So it felt kind of weird that it was here at all. I also honestly didn't super like it. How did you feel about it, Kevin? I actually liked it. I thought it was a cute little, because like I, I'm pretty sure it literally says on the title page, bonus chapter. Yeah, I like, think it does. So that's the way I came into it. Like, oh, it's a little kind of like cute bonus chapter of where Soma got his scar. And I also love the fact that uh, he's like, oh, I might scar up. Oh, scars are cool. And he's got like Luffy <laughs> and Toriko and someone else. But he's got these characters that have scars. He's like, ah, oh, scars are cool. And then his mom's just like, boys are stupid. Yes. I just, there's a big thing where his grandpa gives him the family knife. And that just felt weird timeline to me wise. Like it's a really stupid thing to get hung up on. But when we just learned about Soma's family and how his mom's death hit him the timing of this just seemed really weird to me mm. like it seemed like they he didn't have a lot of memories with his whole family like this at all and it also didn't seem like he got really into cooking until after his mom's death to me at least no it seemed it seemed like to me it, it did it was he really got in he started really getting into it after his mom's death because that's he like he had to to help the diner but it seemed like he had always been interested in cooking as both his parents did and his grandfather did. So it's like everyone around me is cooking. I want to cook too. I don't know. Like I said, I just didn't super care for it. And then they had the gall to tease me with young Erina and not do anything with her. Mm-hmm. Just like the most obvious joke in the world with her of like, ah, I sense somebody who's going to drive me crazy in the future is in that direction. Anyway, yep. let's go over here. 
Yep. So yeah, I did not care for it. It's weird to two weeks in a row not be super into Food Wars, especially since it's probably the last Food Wars content we're going to get. Yeah. Which leads us, last but not least, into Hell's Paradise Chapter 75. So what did you think of Hell's Paradise, Kevin? I thought it was pretty cool. I liked the bit with the samurai guy talking about how his master would be, is like, at this point, you need to deepen yourself, not widen your strength. Like, you need to deepen your skill set, not widen it, which I thought was very cool. And him being like, I never understood what a master said until now. Like, of course, that's happening in the middle of a battle. That's how shonen fights work. But I did really like the kind of concept of, like, eventually you hit a point where you stop growing and need to deepen yourself. English is weird. But I thought it was really cool. I thought it was, like, a really cool thing. And that's exactly something that, like, I try and strive for. Like, eventually you stop picking up skills and you need to improve them. Yeah. I do like the way they kind of defeat the Lord Tenzin they're fighting, although she's sort not of. dead by the yep. end. So, But I did like that bit. And the villains teaming up in the end is a cool idea because we already have the two brothers working together. Yep. And this fight ended with the you know, doctor and samurai working together. Yeah. So, well, because all of, the, all of their group is split into pairs. Yeah. So it works well from a flow forward standpoint. Like, it was fine. It was one standard unit of shonen, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that does it for the chapters we're going to talk about this week, since, like we said, there's no My Hero Academia this week. So that brings us to Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read this week from our least favorite up to our favorite. We have 20 this week. Mm -hmm. So, Kevin, what Tokyo Shinobi Squad is on the bottom? Tokyo Shinobi Squad, because, dear uh, God, do I not care about this at all. Not even a little. Like, I, like, started to, like, feel contempt for them trying to, like, make me feel emotions. Yes. And that's the whole reason I'm here reading this. Yep. Like, when they're trying to be like, ah, this evil terrorist has a sad backstory. I was like, you did not earn this, and I don't care. And also, Jin, like, you're just trying to be so cool. He's trying too hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, nope, no more. Please. Please, dear God, go away. Yamate. What do you have at number 19? Number 19, I have double Taisei. I got aggressively annoyed at a lot of the references in this chapter, like, to the point of, like, no, I no, you don't you don't get to poke fun at this kind of thing anymore. Like the the Smash Brothers one from a couple of chapters ago was kind of funny. These just annoyed me, and I don't remember which uh, like, specific ones. I didn't ones. even take notice of them, which is kind of strange. There was like one or two. I mean, I know kind of what you're talking about, but like, but I'm saying literally, like, when you it took me a second to even remember what you're talking about when you brought them up. Yeah, and for whatever reason, they just aggressively annoyed me. And I'm like, I just, I don't care. I have Beast Children at 19, and I literally don't remember what happened in Beast Children this Nothing. week. 
they lost and then we're oh, like, yeah, they're like, good game, handshake. Yeah, which I was like, cool, but whatever. Like, oh, yeah, in rugby, we're taught to feel empathy for our opponents. Uh, that's generally how you're supposed to feel about most sports. Like, that's not how it works most of the time, but generally you're not supposed to hate the person you just played a game against. Like, because I do a lot of other kinds of gaming, so like mini gaming or computer gaming, like, I generally don't tend to hate the person I played against, especially even something like martial arts sparring. Like, all right, so even if the guy beat me, that doesn't mean I hate him. Like, we were in a contest, and I can still appreciate the fact that we're there to have fun. So this whole, yeah, rugby is about camaraderie after the match. Whatever. What do you have at 18, Kevin? At 18, I have Mintama. So I also got annoyed at the cliffhanger on this one where it turns out that Yo or Mintama also had a giant line of spirits when he was a kid. I, I don't care. I don't think you've earned this. I mean, conversely, I, I don't want to say I really like Mintama this week. I didn't, but... We were complaining just the other week about how it seemed like they were setting up a multi-part story, and then they just abandoned it. Uh, so th- because I think they're going to do that again, so I was more annoyed. <laughs> That's fair. I'm willing to go along the ride on this one, so I put it a little bit higher. Okay. I have double Taisei at 18. Mostly, I was just annoyed with all the off-screen shogi matches, and Haga, I kind of get it, being the final opponent for Tai to see if he's going to go on or not. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm mostly I'm sad that the girl whose name I can't remember got like eliminated twice so quickly. Yeah. Cause to me, she's the most interesting character. Yep. Oh, that was one of the references. The, uh, the Joker reference oh, from Haga. That's true. That I was that. aggravating. I was like, no, dear God. No. What do you have at 17? At 17, I have beast children. It, it was a nothing chapter to me. Like they're, they're beats in sports manga that I know exist and like are good for sports manga, but I'm not, a huge sports manga fan. So it was like, this beat existed. Well, I didn't care about any of the previous ones, so I don't care about this one. I have Dr. Sten reboot at 17, because like I said, there was some emotional content there. But for the most part, I just didn't care. And like, it's stuff I get from Dr. Stone, only I'm way more invested in that. Yeah. I have it at number 16, and I don't have much more to add. It was like, all right, would you like more Dr. Stone, but not with the same characters? No. No, I'm good. I have Food Wars at 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just, it, I, I thought it was a pretty nothing chapter as well. It didn't, like, make me laugh or smile the way I want a bonus chapter to. I gotcha. I have Haikyuu at number 15. Seems weird. I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not a huge sports manga guy. I like the direction is going. I think really what I needed for Haikyuu was for it to start another story arc. Yeah, and that, that might be the case. To me, it's just, there's so much backstory, it's really hard to jump in, and it being in a field that I'm not a huge fan of to begin with makes it even harder to latch onto it. And I feel like we have almost a clean break, like, Hinata's been separated from most of his supporting cast at this point. And yeah, except one of the cliff- yeah, except the cliffhanger is, oh no, it's some dude I know from before. Yeah, but like... I, I'm okay with that. I'd put it a bit higher. I'm okay with it too, but it's just like... I the. Like, this should have a bigger impact. This is probably some guy he played against 200 chapters ago <laughs> that showed up now and he's like, oh, you're here. You know, it's like in One Piece when, you know, we had the guy yeah, from Gamora 10 years up. ago show up. It's like, that's awesome. If you don't know who that guy is, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, but like, I could still appreciate the moment, I guess. 
I have Mitama Security at 15. Because okay. like I said, I'm more willing to go along with it. I didn't love it, but a lot of stuff I didn't like this week, so yeah. it all went below that. I have Jujitsu Kaisen at 14. Huh, okay. I don't know. To me, it was just the, oh no, I've been defeated by locked in against Jutsu. Only, haha, I had a countermeasure. Only, haha, my countermeasure didn't work. That's that, true. That's that, the chapter there. That was extremely quickly, all right? And we don't even know, is is he actually dead? Are they just talking about him like he's dead? They're like, ah, well, that worked out. Let's go, you know, work on our evil plan. I, yeah, okay. I have Mission Yozakura family at 14. There's a lot of stuff I liked in it. Like, this is probably closer to the Mission Yozakura family I want. Mm-hmm. But then there's just a lot of tropes that annoy me about this and engage in a lot of stuff I typically don't like. And really, there was a lot of, oh, Tayo just is doing well because he's the main character sort of stuff in here that this series hasn't really had before. Yeah, I I actually like this chapter of Mission quite a bit, so. What do you have at Lucky 13? At Lucky 13, I have Chainsaw Man. I think that next week will be pretty interesting, but this was just basically Denji has met up with Aki. Well, and he's I- being chased by the bomb lady. And Aki knows an old guy. Yeah. So it was like there was a lot of setup. So it's like it it wasn't bad. I do like the fact that the shark devil is like, oh, no, the bomb lady's after us. And then Aki is like, how do you know all of this? And he's like, I I promised Lady Makima I couldn't tell you. And then they immediately have to stop that. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. There's this like cool intrigue thing going on, but like none of it got resolved. So or even like it is definitely an all setup chapter. Yeah. So it was. It was fairly good, but it was just mostly set up. So I was like, next week should be better. But this week was just kind of like, here's what's going to happen next week. Cool. I have Haikyuu at 13. Like I said, I am enjoying it a lot more. I have more of a frame of reference. And I really like the like culture shock, lost and lonely sort of stuff that was going on here. Like I like the way the flashback here is presented in contrast to One Piece. I got you. jumping back and forth more. I still didn't go super high, but yeah, I definitely liked it a lot more than the, more than seven other things. Yep, I have Black Clover at number twelve. Me too, and I feel like you owe me physical I, goods for being wrong. I don't know what we didn't bet anything. Yeah, so I was going to apologize before okay. you tried to browbeat me into it. Um, <laughs> I figured you would have, but like that's how I felt. I was like, Kevin should give me like I don't want any particular thing from Kevin. I just feel like he should give me a thing. How about a knuckle sandwich? That's um, more of a concept. That's more of a service than a than a good. I would say. But yeah, so I was wrong. Nora was actually hanging out with Asta, and there was a whole thing with the chains. Uh, so this. It kind of ended up resolving the fight way faster than I wanted to. And yeah, it kind and of like a, it pivots super hard, too. Yeah, so it was like, that was a fast swerve, and even fighting the the guy who was summoning lightning, they're like, oh no, I was just testing you to see how strong you were. It's like, okay. I, okay. But like, I was really, I really liked the way the fight was going there beforehand, and you're yeah. just like, no, we're done now. Like, but I was so excited. The momentum shift with Asta, I think, really works. But it yeah. being mirrored in the other fight just feels super abrupt. Yeah, because I did like the momentum shift where he's like, I've been fighting no one this whole time. What? We're also introduced to the Princess of the Heart Kingdom. And while I like the character, she's also pretty cliche, in my opinion. It's yeah. certainly the sort of thing I've seen before. 
And it's a trope I like where she's like a, I don't want to say ugly ditz because she she's all that's herself at the end and is very pretty, but she's got the like, she's a glasses. Well, she's a slobby ditz where it's like normally she she doesn't dress up or try and put in any effort into her look. And it's kind of a ditz, but is like ridiculously powerful kind of thing. Like, whoa, she's because they mentioned that like she's currently monitoring like a hundred different like she makes these kind of like computer screen wall room where she's monitoring like all of the water intake and export in the entire kingdom and they're all like whoa like i said i like the character it's a trope i like but they didn't do anything i thought was super interesting with no. her and none of the jokes really landed there no it, it it was okay like i i liked black clover but it was just that that turn was weird i felt bad because i was totally wrong so i mean i don't feel like you should feel bad I just think it speaks to my point about Black Clover's fight scenes being confusing sometimes. Yep. Yeah, and like the pivot to the end of no, the Spade Kingdom are there to be the bad guys. Yeah. It's like it's fine, but boy does it feel fast. Yeah. What do you have at eleven? At eleven I have Doctor Stone. Hey, me too again. Yeah. It's set up for what's gonna be happening later, so it's like, oh, we've gotta get We've got to protect Magna and the... We've got to protect the gun. What about Magna? No, I'm really more concerned about the gun. Magna just happens to be the dude holding it, so I guess we have to protect him. I like this chapter fairly well. Yeah. But I feel like it was established that literally all the bad guys were on a boat. So I found it super weird that there were people with boats for them to take boats from. And again, that's a weird thing to get caught up on. But also the way in which they like just kind of ran over the people and took their boats... Yeah, it also felt really weird to me and not in like a ha this is fun kind of way. No, I think it was I I also had that weird timing thing of like I thought that it was Senku going like, "Oh crap, I figured out his plan too late." Like not he's heading towards the boat, okay. which is essentially what actually happened. I had thought it was, "Oh crap, he's on the boat. That's definitely we need the way to they leave now." It. Yeah. And it's like, "No, he's heading towards the boat and we just thankfully figured out his plan fast enough to do something." which is how this reads now. But initially it read, oh God, we have to leave the island now. Yeah. What do you have at 10? At 10, I have Yui Kamiyo. This was kind of interesting and also just kind of a weird beat. I mean, it's definitely a beat chapter, yeah. right? It's also set up. We're setting up the effects of Kito eating a mushi. Yep. And also Yui going into the mirror world. Yeah, to find the girl that they've been looking for forever. On the other or, hand... not forever, but the girl that they've been looking for. I put Yui Kimi a, a bit higher, because I almost always do. A lot of that is from that last panel, where she talks to the mirror girl, and the mirror girl's like, yeah, I'm the oldest girl boss in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great line. No, it, it is great. It was just the beat trap. And like I said, I, I liked it. I just, I, because it's not my favorite thing, it went down a little bit. Uh, under some of the stuff that I liked more. I have Chainsaw Man at 10. I think I just liked it more than you. I agree with all of your critiques of it. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. Yeah. No, it's... So I had Mission Yuzakura at number nine. I just... I liked it. I was, you know, kind of laughing at this chapter a lot more than some of the other ones, and I, I think I tend to like Mission more than you do. Definitely. So, like Zach said, it's it's my kind of stupid. Like, I can I can jump on board this kind of stupid very easily. And I definitely liked the Tayo kind of, like, lucking his way through. Like, that's the one bit I didn't like. That, like. And I feel like it was poorly presented, too. I guess. 
But I like the fact that it wasn't him like being lucky. It was like you kept getting glitches and cheats and stuff. Like, oh, that's pretty funny because like he would have played video games before. But I also like the dichotomy of like it be going up against a video game master and just button mashing and happening to win. It was like you just won because you were button mashing. Like, well, don't don't get mad. Like, I sort of know what I'm doing. Yeah, I have Jujutsu Kaisen at nine. Okay, I just. I feel like that character is dead, and I thought the way they subtly showed it was poignant. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, in which case I agree with most of your criticisms. Yeah, I just, I don't know if he's actually dead or not. That's the thing that, like, it, like him subtly dying would be a good, kind of good way for him to go, but, like, I feel like he's going to come back is the more annoying thing. Yeah, and at that point, I would also be annoyed. And it was just the... You know, haha, I have revealed my counter card. I counter your counter card. I counter your counter card. Oh. So I lose then. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I had Hell's Paradise in number eight. But like you said, standard unit of Shonen. I liked the bit about the samurai master, you know, telling him, like, you need to deepen yourself, not widen yourself. The fight was cool. I liked the bit where they pull a Goku and Piccolo kind of thing, where it's like, oh, well. I can't use Tao, so I'll hold her in place, and then while I'm holding her down, you can cut her in half. And it's like, and you're supposed to be, you should be good enough that you cannot cut me at all. Because uh, he mentions the neck flap thing, which is actually something I've studied. So for committing seppuku, you actually have a second. So what you do is you go through the ritual, and if you complete it, which is where you cut the, uh, the pattern into your chest, the person, your second, like... At that point, you have atoned yourself because a gut wound takes forever to die. The second will cut your head off, but it is unseemly to let the head roll along the floor. So you cut the head off in such a way that a small flap of skin holds it in place. So the head just flops down. So he mentions like cut through the neck, leaving the small flap of skin or cut through this person not hitting me at all. And I was like, oh, that was that's like a, a really cool concept. I have Yui Kimio at eight. And again, I think I said most of my piece on it. Mm hmm. I have We Never Learned at number seven. It was cute, funny, We Never Learned, but nothing super special. I have One Piece at seven, and I feel like I would almost say exactly the same thing about that. Maybe not cute or funny, but like that's kind of my feeling. Is it, it was uh, no, a I chapter get you. of One Piece. Yeah, it was a chapter of One Piece. No, I, I get that. So I had Food Wars at number six. Like I said, I actually kind of liked it. I Going into the bonus chapter, being like, oh, I thought this was funny. Like, where did Soma get his scar? It was dropping a fish. And then the, I guess I really liked the bit where he was like, oh, all these scarred anime heroes are so cool. And his mom just being like, boys are so dumb. <laughs> I have Hell's Paradise at six because it was standard shonen. So that tells you what I feel about everything below it. Yep. I have The Promised Neverland at number five. I do as well. Yeah. it Weird, but good. And the, the cliffhanger at the end is also pretty cool. So I have Demon Slayer at number four. Is kind of like a slow down beat chapter of like, all right, we're going to get Tanjiro fighting Muzan. We're probably going to have the other Hashira showing up, but uh, good. I have We Never Learned It for. Okay. I have One Piece at number three. I like that. I really liked the Kinemon bit in this flashback. Like, I mean, that's the highlight of the chapter for sure. Yeah. So to me, that, that was kind of what pushed it over the top. I was like, all right, I, I'm getting into this flashback now. Like, Kinemon being like, give me back my, you know, the 
give me back my girl next door kind of thing. Like, oh, this is the girl that I like never appreciated, even though she like actually cares about me kind of thing. I just I really like that. I have Samurai 8 at number three. Okay. Again, I liked it fairly well. I really like the drawing of that sniper rifle. Yeah. But like I said, the ending cliffhanger didn't make me roll my eyes. It wasn't that bad, but I was not as into that. And like I said last week, this is exactly the beat I more or less expected Samurai 8 to pull. The only difference being the sniper, which is a cool element to throw in. Yeah. So I have Act Agent number two. That's a super solid chapter, and I really liked it. I don't have much more to say other than what we talked about when we talked about the chapter itself. I have Demon Slayer at number two. I really, really like Muzan's speech about, hey, you should treat me like a natural disaster. As, I feel good, like that's yeah. a really good take for a shonen villain. Yeah, I I do like that one as well. Nobody... I'm surprised I haven't seen anything like that before. Like, it feels like Frieza could almost say that. Frieza's a little too arrogant. Yeah. But it's the right sort of thing. Yeah, and I do like the uh, nobody nobody swears revenge against the volcano. Like, no, people have. <laughs> So, but, but you would call them weirdos. Yes, you fair, would, you would kind, call them weirdos. Which is kind of his point. Yeah. So I had Samurai at number one. I really liked the the sniper turn, both the reveal of the sniper. Like, I really liked him with his holder, like, crouched on the side of a mountain with the giant gun. I was like, oh, that looks so cool. And then the turn of being like, oh, no, he's going to, you know, like, shoot Daruma in the head only. Oh, no, he's actually not, help. like, he's helping them. He's not directly helping them but he's there to fight their enemy and again i like the turn that ko was the the guy who had been working with the bad guy all along like oh that makes sense he's got this really strong probably unique samurai who can wield two samurai souls but who doesn't have any memories so it's like oh yeah i've been fleecing him again to come here and then i happen to meet you guys and got you to come here this will be great i have act age at one a lot of it with act age is the the way acting is drawn the acting of the artist, so to speak. Like, yep. both the K and Onagi faces are really, really good. Super solid, yes. And the audience reaction to it is good as well. It is kind of predictable where it's going to go, but not in a bad way. Yeah. In a way that it's cathartic when you reach it. Yeah. All right, that will do it for Shonen Jump this week. Join us after the break, where we will talk about My Hero Academia, Volume 4. So we read My Hero Academia Volume 4 this week, which continues to be My Hero Academia. Yep. So it continues to be very, very good. It's continuing to reinforce the competition themes it's introduced here that are still ongoing in the manga right now, but that I do feel really got revved up here Yeah. about talking about the difference between really trying to be number one and just trying to make it through. Yep. Yeah, I do really like that bit where... I always forget the guy's name. The copy guy from class B was like, oh, yeah. So we had like made sure that we placed kind of low in the rankings so that we would have an advantage in round two or in the the rankings for the, the first leg. Like any idiot could have figured that out. And I really liked the turnaround where it was like, oh, only the people who didn't agree to his plan did well from class B. Like. You were trying to shoot for an advantage for round two, but you got blasted out by the people that were trying to win. 
Yeah. And I really like the end of the cavalry battle where Bakugo's going all out. I feel like it might be the first good Bakugo moment in the series, especially yeah. in hindsight, where he's like, no, I'm not going to settle for like just a weak first place. I'm going to take everyone's headband. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and- I do like that. That turn with the copy guy where he's taunting Bakugo and Bakugo is like, all right, screw going after Deku. We need to just kill that man first because he's Bakugo. So he's like, I will kill him. Yeah. We also get more of Bakugo's friendship with, I want to call him Konami, and I know that's not his name. Kirishima. Kirishima. He did not invent Pac-Man. Or Kirishima. I I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. We get more of that with Kirishima being like, hey, you should let me be on your team because I can take your blast because I'm very strong. Yep. Also, we get Saro doing something, which is cool. I really like Saro, and he basically hasn't, no, he literally hasn't done anything yet. And we get Ida and Uraka kind of reflecting the go for the top theme as well, with Ida refusing to join Midoriya's team in the cavalry battle because he wants to show Midoriya he can beat him and be number one as well. Yep. And then at the end of this volume, Uraka turning down Midoriya's offer to help her come up with a strategy yep. to face Bakugo because yep. she, she's embarrassed that she just went along with Midoriya's plan after Ida said that. Well, it was before that, like, I really like Midoriya. I'll go do the cavalry battle with my friends when it was like, and she was like, I, when Ida was like, no. I want to win. I want to show you I'm your rival too. Yes. Like, I feel I feel stupid. I'm I'm the fast guy. How did I lose in a race? Yeah. We also get more of May, which is great. Yeah. I mean, my hair is really good at character. And more importantly, we get a bunch of Todoroki Shoto stuff. In particular, I am 99% sure that Shoto is the, I was going to say first character since Midoriya to have inner dialogue, but I know All Might has in the past. Yeah. But I that's not something we've seen from Bakugo, who has a ton of uh, screen time. time. Yep. I think we did see it from Ida, though, now, though that I'm talking about it in the chapter where he becomes class president. Yeah, maybe just a little bit, but not like this is the first time where we kind of really see it happening. We're getting emotional rather than plot internal monologue. For yeah. Him, which I think speaks to how important of a character he is. Yeah. And how he is in a lot of ways, I think the thing that makes my hero academia work going forward. Yeah, but, he is. But there's the really good scene where he and Midoriya confront each other, but also Bakugo is listening to them. Yep. Where they're talking about going for first, and that triangle of a rivalry is super good. It's why I'm so excited about the current arc of My Hero, because it's the three of them. Working together, yeah. Yeah. And also still working together at each other's throats, so to speak. Yes. Well, Midoriya, even now, still feels like he's behind, which is one of the things I love about him, where it's like, ah, these two are like so much better at everything, but they... Uh, both of them also have the same thing of like, yeah, but Midori is so good at doing, like, doing, like, uh, these two are so good at everything. Like, they're kind of all, like, self-doubting one another, but using the other two to prop themselves up more. So they just kind of, like, spiral upwards and upwards. Yeah, well, and they talk, I mean, that's what a rival is for, especially yes. in a Shonen series. But that it's a cool three-way is very cool. It is too kind of too bad that it takes away from the trio of Ida, Araka, and Midoriya. Yeah. But... Akira Toriyama really, really liked duos, and I feel like Hihori might be better off with trios in a way. Yeah, it it does tend to be trios. There are probably exceptions to that, but since I it's just a theory I pulled out right now. Yeah, but probably. 
it's definitely i think my hero is definitely more focused on teamwork basically regardless so like we're kind of focusing on oh, it's not this duo it's a trio because like technically naruto had trios yes it did technically but they always had a girl who didn't matter yes which sucked yes but that's what i mean like i think this is a focused a lot more on teamwork like it's you know, oh, we're noticing this trio and this trio and this trio who then all form together into class A. And then you have the League of Villains. Like, it's not all about Tomura. You know, it's more and more it's starting to become about the League of Villains and versus the heroes. Like, I really like the teamwork aspect of my hero. Ironically, this is the story that's mostly about one-on-one fights. Although yes. more than half of this volume is taken up by the cavalry battle, which yes. is, you know, teams of four. And it really is about combining abilities. Yeah, and I really like the kind of thought some people put into it, and then the the thought that like other people's didn't. You know, like I love the the subtle hint that Bakugo is way smarter than he appears. Well, I mean, and that's a constant theme throughout My Hero Academia. Yes, and even Midoriya's like, no, he gets better grades than me. Like I'm batman in this goddamn series but bakugo scores higher than me yeah i do love that at one point they're like momo got first bakugo got second and i got third like everyone assumes he's an idiot because he is aggressive as hell but he's also he also aggressively studies and aggressively brushes his teeth that is one of my favorite bits ever when he's just like die plaque (laughs) as he's brushing his teeth oh it's pretty good but I just love, so the thing that I'm talking about is he agrees to team up with Karishima because it's like, oh, that actually makes sense. Karishima can actually, like, if I'm blasting off stuff close nearby, he'll be fine. He teams up with Saro because Saro can take him back when, if he launches off into the air. Saro can pull him back. And then he literally teams up with Mina, I think is her name. Yeah. The acid chick. And she's like, he literally only teamed up with me because I could counter Todoroki's ice with my acid. I feel kind of used. Yeah. Oh, speaking of used, we also get some pretty hardcore fan service in this volume because it's the one where the pervert tricks everyone into dressing up as a cheerleader. Yes. Which is not too bad, but. No, it's not horrible fan service. It should be mentioned, probably. But I really like the focus on the, like I said, rivalry between Bakugo, Midoriya, and Todoroki and how it plays into the theme of shooting for the top. Yep. And how I said, like I said, it reverberates into the friend trio as well. Yep. And I really like this. the final like panel of this is Araka telling Midoriya, hey, no, we should see each other as rivals, so I'll see you in the finals. Yep. And like just thinking about because I constantly go back to the anime, especially when reading this. The fact that this is the weird break in the volume, as opposed to in the anime, this is like the beginning part of that episode, I'm pretty sure. Because like I think this all happened, the whole Araka thing happens in one episode. You might be right. I can't remember exactly how it breakdowns. That sounds about right, though. It might it, it might be the end of the episode, and then the fight happens in the next one, but I don't think so. Like I think there is a small break, but it's not like the end of the volume break. There's also some little subtle things that remind me of another reason why I like my hero is just like little tiny subtle gags or background details that like maybe I missed the first time. So they have Kamui Woods talking with Mount Lady and I don't remember the construction zone man's name. Construction zone man. Sure. But Kamui Woods is uh, trying to drink like a water bottle. It just bonks against his mask and he like looks down at it. And it just, that's all it is. It's him holding the thing, looking at it, the water bottle with a bonk sound, like sound effect being written out. 
And I was like, oh, that was like a really subtle thing that I probably missed the first time I read it. That was just really funny where it's, oh, yeah, he goes to drink, you know, I'm going to go drink some water. Thunk. Right. I'm wearing a mask. And I think another thing to appreciate is how dense it is, because we're in volume four, which is where a lot of series can start to kind of slow down and rest on their laurels. But there's lots of stuff we haven't even talked about yet. There's the all for one. There's the bit where Midoriya sees all the ghosts of it, kind of reminding you about the legacy stuff. Yep. And hinting at what's going to come in the future there. It's still a tournament arc, so they're still using it to introduce a lot of characters or work on them. We haven't even mentioned Hitoshi Shinzo, who is the mind control character. Yep. Who's being set up for much later in the manga. Yes, but they also, I really like the whole thing about Shinzo and especially Aizawa. Aizawa or Aizen? Aizawa no. is the Aizawa. teacher. Eraserhead. Yeah, I was like Eraserhead. I was like, Aizen's the... Eraserhead did not fight Ichigo. Yeah, I was like, Aizen's the dude from Bleach. But Aizawa being like, oh yeah, this is why I was against the entrance exam in the first place, is somebody like Shinso with a brainwashing quirk is completely useless against robots. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I hadn't realized that applies to Aizawa as well. Yep. Like his quirk would be, I mean, he could disrupt other people. He but, could just yeah, but he would be literally useless against robots. So it's like if he had taken that specific entrance exam, he probably wouldn't have been able to do all that well. Like some of the people had quirks that weren't as useful against them, but like Shinso could have probably done well. Shinso could have mind controlled other people to take out robots, but that would get them points. Yeah. That would actively work against him. Yeah. I guess he could mind control people to not fight robots. But, but then he would have to fight the robots like I I feel the same thing. So I really love the, you know, you have a bunch of people in the crowd being like, that quirk's amazing. What the hell is UA thinking? Making Not making that kid get into hero studies. And even Aizawa being like, no, yeah, like we're being a little close-minded. It kind of reminds me of that movie Sky High. What My Hero Academia reminded you of Sky High. No. I know, right? But just the whole thing of like, oh, no, your your superpower is dumb. You're going to be a sidekick. And it's just, that's the exact same thing that happened to Shinso. No, you're not able to do anything cool or flashy. You don't get to join hero studies, even though you were good enough to make it into general studies, which is difficult in and of itself. And him being like, no, you know, Midoriya, I especially love the thing where he's like, Midoriya, you've been born with everything. This really cool, flashy quirk that got you in. And Midoriya just having the eternal monologue of, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that, there's also that, this amazing flashback panel. All right. I guess it's a, it's a splash page, actually, not a two-page spread, but a splash page mm. of Midoriya, like, thinking about all the people who have helped him. And just the way all these flashbacks of the manga are drawn is super good. Yeah. It's a thing My Hero Academia does a lot, and I've seen in a couple other manga in Shonen Jump since we started reading it. But I feel like it's a new trend in manga that I really feel like is inspired by the way anime adapts manga. Yeah. Flashback to stuff constantly. Yeah. But I really like just, like, the background of it and the way all the flashbacks fade into it is super super good yeah is there anything else you wanted to talk about with volume four i'm trying to think no i can't really think of anything like super solid the one-on-one fights are interesting oh i guess we get more info on tokiami he starts getting a spotlight which is great yes that's true i wrote down his name so i wouldn't forget it if case we talked about him but like i said this volumes are really dense so we didn't even bring up tokiami and how he joins Midoriya's team and therefore gets a little bit of a spotlight shown on him. Yeah. Like even the author mentioned in some of these things, like, I've been looking for a way to use some of these characters. Like, I came up with this cool character, 
Now I need to figure out something to do with him. Like this tournament is a great way to be like, here's something for Saro to do. Here's something for Tokiyami to do. Here's something for Karishima to do. Although he's, he's had a bit of a spotlight already, but it's like, all right, here's some, here's this new character, Mei, and something she does. Here's Shinso. Here's the copycat guy. It's really one of the strengths of a tournament arc is it's the perfect way to introduce new characters or yep. to show off ones that haven't had a chance yet. Yeah. And yeah. it's why it doesn't feel weird to do it so early. My, early My Hero, I think, really takes a lot of pacing cues from Naruto. As it goes on, it sort of stops doing that. Yep. But this is placed about where the tuning exams are. I just think My Hero is a lot more efficient and a lot more dense. Yep. Which is why it tends to be even better than Naruto was. Yeah. Even though super, super influenced by it. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of introductions to these really cool characters. And uh, it's still fun seeing all of the... Here are my little background pages on all of the characters, like Midnight in her uh, house clothes and Cementos and all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, they, I really like these little character bios and the fact that he's like, you know, now that I think about it, this guy has made a ton of characters that are all super interesting. Like but Creating characters is by far his strongest point. Yeah. It's the thing that makes my hero so good. Yeah, like I even like a bunch of the quote unquote two bit characters that might only show up for a chapter or two. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy's really cool. Like, I really liked him. He was only there for, like, two chapters and then got defeated and hasn't done anything else. Which I think is a pretty good segue, probably, into personality power level, don't you? Yeah. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top, despite us just saying his series is not quite as good, is Uzumaki Naruto from Naruto. Mm-hmm. At the very bottom is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead in the center, we have Red from Pokemon Adventures. I kind of think we should rank Bakugo this week. That's fair. Because Chodo hasn't had his big moment yet. No, and that I'm pretty sure that's next week. And Bakugo's an important character? Yes. It's weird to me he's the first rival we're putting on the list, just because I think he's actually one of the weaker parts of My Hero Academia. Especially as the series goes on, I do like him more and more. Yeah. But I feel like, whereas Midoriya, we have directly below Naruto, and only because Naruto was good for the entirety of Naruto, and Izuku hasn't been good for the entirety of My Hero yet. Well, it was also because Naruto was done, so yeah. we got to see his old arc, versus yeah. Midoriya still isn't yet. Because I do remember that thing when we were trying to rank him. But I feel like Bakugo's not as good as a Sasuke or a Vegeta. No. He's... I feel like he's not even the best rival in My Hero Academia. Spoilers for next week, most likely. No, I don't think so as well. I still do really like him, and I like how... I kind of like how he's the... He's the rival that is, like, undermining his uh, initial image of... Ah, uh, he comes off super aggressive, and he's, like, the douchebag rival that's, like... He bullies Midoriya, and he's super mean to people, and he's foul-mouthed. But then he starts like, no, he's actually intelligent and he thinks a lot and he's actually like, he changes a ton through the course of this manga so far. I definitely, he's still a My Hero Academia character, don't yes. get me wrong. I just think he's weirdly one of the weaker ones because I think rivals are almost always the better character in a lot. I, don't, I shouldn't say always, but frequently are. But I don't think he's anywhere close to Midoriya, frankly. No, I, I like Midoriya a lot. How do we think he compares to All Might? Because I actually don't think he's as good as All Might either. Because All Might is a superlative example of the mentor character. And maybe even a 
only mostly good rival is still better than a superlative mentor. But my instinct is to pull him below All Might. I could see that. Like, Bakugo still has the thing of he's very grating and annoying a lot of the time. So I, I could see that putting him below All Might. Right below All Might, we have Luffy from One Piece. And my instinct is to put Bakugo below Luffy as well. That's fair. I, I'm a huge fan of Luffy, and it's really hard to be like, eh, Bakugo, Bakugo has had moments, but he hasn't had a ton of big moments, unlike even Shoto, who, again, spoilers for next week. Like, he's had moments, but he had to be rescued, but we still really haven't seen the results of that, you know, like two arcs later. Next, we have a pair of characters you're more familiar with than me, which is Koro-sensei and Guts. My instinct is to put them above Koro-sensei, below Monkey D. Luffy, but you're much more familiar with those characters. No, that's fair. I really like Koro-sensei, but I definitely like Bakugo more. Like I said, I really like his aspect of, like, he comes off as this hot-headed, arrogant asshole and is still a hot-headed, arrogant asshole, That, but he's, like, way deeper of a character. Like, oh, he actually thinks a lot and... He's actually extremely talented, but he's just now finally starting to realize his flaws this late into the game. All right, so Katsuki Bakugo will round out our top 10, going at number 10, above Koro Sensei, but below Monkey D. Luffy. Something tells me he won't be in the top 10 very long. Uh, Maybe next week he's going to get kicked out for sure. But you'll have to wait until then to find out when we read My Hero Academia Volume 5. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emmerich. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can find my other two podcasts or join our Discord. And if you'd like to talk about My Hero Academia, either the manga or the current anime season, that's a great place to do that with us. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug this week? Yeah, so... Ruby Volume 7 has started. I know Jeremy's not a huge fan, but I am. And by the time this comes out, it should be available to the general public on the Rooster Teeth website. Because I think sponsors get it a week early. And it's something I'm really enjoying. So give that a shot if you were interested in Ruby beforehand. All right, everyone. Have a great week. And that will take us to the Promised Neverland, chapter 156. 156? That's well, a we good were chapter. Just, I was like, we were just reading We Never <laughs> Learn, so...